Welcome to Legal Giants Tiny Talks, a podcast where we invite legal experts to talk about current issues in their field. Today, we're lucky to be able to bring some questions we have about the recent Hong Kong Real Estate Investment Trusts, or REITs, enhancements to Jeremy Ong, a Baker McKenzie partner leading the firm's Hong Kong REITs practice. Hong Kong has always been known as one of the international financial hubs. Not unlike every other sector operating in the city, the Hong Kong real estate market, its developments and its ability to stay resilient through time has been scrutinized and analyzed by newspapers, consultant firms and other stakeholders. Perhaps for reasons of staying competitive and resilient, Hong Kong has introduced new enhancements to its REIT code. After conducting a two-month industry consultation, the Hong Kong Securities and Futures Commission announced some key changes that became effective on the 4th of December last year. Jeremy will be giving us some insights into the field, help us navigate through the many analyses on Hong Kong's REIT performances, as well as share with us some exciting future opportunities for the market. Hi Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on here today. Thanks, Cynthia. Happy to be on your podcast. The first question we have for you is quite general. We think everyone would be curious as to how the Hong Kong REITs market is doing during the pandemic. Since the start of COVID, there have been many different assessments and predictions made by various parties on the potential developments of Hong Kong real estate investment trusts during and after COVID. From my research, I read that Goldman Sachs has made the estimation last year that Hong Kong REITs will be the slowest in recovering from the pandemic's effects. Bloomberg Intelligence, meanwhile, believes that REITs with global assets would be more attracted to get listed in Singapore instead of Hong Kong, given the former's tax incentives and regulatory support. In local office buildings, at least, they have remained resilient and outperformed other Asian peers during COVID. Given the complexity of the area, could you give us some insights as to how exactly is the Hong Kong REITs market doing really? Sure. Um, happy to answer this, Cynthia. Uh, maybe I can give a bit of background first for those listeners that may not be familiar with REITs. Mm. So what a REIT is, it stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. And essentially, it's a type of investment product that's listed and therefore open to retail investors to invest in physical real estate. So um, in Hong Kong, the structure is a, a unit trust that all it holds is real estate. Unlike a listed company, it doesn't do too many uh, risky activities like development. Typically, it only holds maybe a few handful of assets. Mm -hmm. If you like those assets, you basically invest in those assets via the listed REIT. So um, the other thing that um, I, I think is by way of background is um, when we talk about Hong Kong REITs or Singapore REITs, we're not talking about where the property lo is located. We're talking about which stock exchange the REIT is listed on available for trading. So um, in, in both these jurisdictions, Hong Kong and Singapore, uh, they hold properties from anywhere around the world. In, in Hong Kong, most of the REITs invest in Hong Kong, China. We had one recently, Link REIT, that invested in, in the UK and Australia. Um, and Singapore, they invest around the world too. A lot of them in, in Singapore, also in Australia, US and the UK and other places. So um, when you talk about how a REIT is doing, it's, it's hard to generalize. 
because at the end of the day, it depends on how the underlying real estate is doing since the REIT pretty much just owns the real estate. Mm. Uh, and that, you know, when you talk about how they've been doing during COVID, um, it depends on, you know, bigger government policies in relation to real estate. So for example, in the UK, where I think you're, you're running your podcast, um, if you had a retail REIT that invests in retail shopping centers in the UK, those may have been quite heavily hit during COVID because it's just a lack of foot traffic. Um, tenants may be having some difficulty or if you've got to read in Australia, there are special laws that say that you have to, the landlords have to forgive some of the rent from mm. tenants. So it also depends on asset class, you know, whether you have a, you know, a, a retail or commercial property read, which has probably suffered more during COVID, or you may have a logistics read, which has um, uh, warehouses and logistics chains. And for these reads, they've actually been doing better because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Been online through Amazon. So it's hard to generalize as to uh, which REIT market is doing better because I think you need to look at the underlying assets. But I guess if you were to try to generalize, um, Singapore REITs, the bulk of them have properties in Singapore. Mm. Singapore was, I would say, harder hit because of some of the lockdown restrictions initially because of COVID. Um, and Hong Kong more recently was hit because of lockdown restrictions because of COVID. So at different times, the different REIT markets have been have been hit. But what we're seeing now is in terms of you looking at recovery, um, people are saying that, well, in China, well, you know, retail is bouncing back, office is bouncing back. Mm. And I would say that Hong Kong probably has a larger proportion of REITs that invest in China. And so for the Hong Kong REIT market, especially the ones in retail and, and commercial, some people may say that this might bounce back faster than, for example, the Singapore REITs that have retail in Singapore. That's very helpful. I believe there's a limited amount of literature written on this, and they're predominantly written by several big companies. So thank you very much for your insights. You've shown that we should definitely take into account the wide-ranging investments of the REITs as well as the global market's performances when assessing a REIT. When you look at REITs, some other people analyze it by reference to other investment products that have a Mm. stable annuity type return like bonds. So then they'll look at, well, what are the bond interest rates? And if the bond interest rates are really high, then maybe they might have less of a demand for a stable income producing REIT. But if the bond interest rates are really low, um, then REITs may look relatively more attractive compared to bonds. So <clears throat> there's a lot of levers out there. I wouldn't profess to be a financing expert. I'm just 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 a lawyer. But um, uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, where the markets recover is not just how the real estate market is doing, but you have to look at all the opportunity costs of other investment products that may be out there for investors. Mm. And ultimately, there's a lot of demand. Um, then that will push the prices up. Whereas um, there's an oversupply that'll push the prices down. The second question we have for you is about the enhancements effects. Reports say that the REIT code enhancements will allow for more REIT involvement in number one, property development projects. Number two, expand the scope of investment to properties where REITs don't have majority ownership. Number three, increase their borrowing limit. 
Number four, allow REITs to invest more in listed and unlisted securities as opposed to investing in real estate that will generate recurrent income over and over again. Some publications online offer a side-by-side comparison of the pre-existing requirements and the enhancements. Simply make a search for Hong Kong REIT Code Enhancements and you'll find them. Could you briefly explain in terms understandable by general university students what exactly might the Hong Kong FSC be hoping for besides making the city more competitive generally when they make the changes? Have you seen any effects of the enhancement play out yet? Okay. Um, well, actually, if you look at the, uh, the purpose of the changes, it actually goes beyond what the SFC want because the SFC is just a regulatory body. Um, you can actually go directly to Kerry Lamb's statements in um, this year's budget, which are just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and one of the statements she makes in a budget specifically is to um, want to make Hong Kong more of an asset management financial center, right? And specifically as a strategy to achieve that is to have a stronger, more vibrant big market here in Hong Kong. So I, I guess it's, you know, in terms of drivers for any regulatory change, often it's political in nature or strategic, you know, from the government. Um, so that's the Hong Kong government strategy. So we, we had a very exciting time now in Hong Kong. Um, now, in terms of why they make changes, so regulations more generally is a very tricky thing because it's always a balancing act. Um, obviously, regulation is meant to protect um, the investors at the end of the day. Mm. And because REITs are listed on the stock exchange, it's largely designed to protect mum and dad investors or retail investors. Um, Conversely, I mean, over-regulation, you know, if it's too protective, there's not enough, you know, incentive for, you know, people with assets to come and list in Hong Kong. So as I mentioned before, um, whether it's a Hong Kong or Singapore REIT, not where the assets are located, but where the, the, the sponsor chooses to list their assets. So, you know, conversely, a sponsor, say a developer, which has assets, will have choice. They can choose to invest and do a Hong Kong REIT. They can choose to, you know, have their portfolio in as a Singapore REIT. They could choose to have their portfolio as an Australian REIT. They have, they have, they have choice, which, mm. you know, stock exchange they want to use. So, you know, to make Hong Kong a more stronger REIT market, you need to attract, um, these developers or sponsors to list their portfolio in Hong Kong. It's not attractive enough because of tax or other reasons or over-regulation mm. or perceived over-regulation. They will just choose to list their portfolios in Singapore or elsewhere. So by relaxing some of the regulations that were in place before for REITs, the hope is that Hong Kong will be seen by these sponsors as a relatively more attractive place to do a REIT. Mm. Um, But of course, you know, um, this is balanced by a judgment call as to whether these regulations will still offer enough protection to to investors. And, And I think that the SFC struck a really good balance in terms of, on the one hand, you know, making it a lot easier for REITs to do business here in Hong Kong. Mm. And the easier it is for them to do business, the more REITs will come. And also the existing REITs, the more that they can grow, mm. um, as well as still ensuring that investors are protected. Hong Kong is a really strong capital market, um, uh, a really strong you know, investor base. 
and and I I'm quite optimistic that that uh, these changes will encourage a lot more people to want to list in Hong Kong. Yeah, it does seem that it gives them a lot more investment opportunities. Moving on, I think actually before I move on to the last question, I just want to clarify that Hong Kong, before the changes, it had more taxation regulations and it taxed more. Um, for REITs, as well as basically the borrowing limits were lower. And right now, those things have changed. Is that correct? And um, I've seen many comparison between Hong Kong and Singapore, because it seems like Singapore is a blooming market right now. And um, I'm pretty sure there are like billionaires like Ray Dalio setting up family offices in Singapore instead of Hong Kong. Yeah. So... A lot of people compare the two cities because, obviously, of their financial standing. So I was just wondering, given these changes, do you think that Hong Kong, obviously you said that Hong Kong would be in a better position, but do you think it would make it more competitive in the long run, especially given that I'm pretty sure China is rolling out their reads as well, their tester reads um, for infrastructure to begin with? Okay, uh, we can take those in turn. There are a couple of questions there. On tax, um, tax is a controversial one. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, to be honest, um, you're not really comparing apples to apples, or people sometimes um, fail to compare apples to apples. So the fundamental thing is Hong Kong's tax system is very different to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Hong Kong is a much more transparent tax with tax on um, a lot less layers of entities and a lot um, fewer taxes than Singapore. It's quite a low tax jurisdiction, whereas Singapore's uh, got more taxes than Hong Kong conversely. So, um, you know, if I was looking to set up a Hong Kong REIT or a Singapore REIT, um, you know, Singapore may have some tax dispensations relative to Singapore companies, you know, so a REIT may have certain Singapore tax benefits. But the net effect, even after those tax benefits, may still not be as attractive as a Hong Kong tax system without any benefits. The starting point is different. Singapore has more tax. Mm. That's why Singapore needs to have tax relaxation Mm -hmm. to attract people to list in Singapore. So um, just because Singapore has tax relaxation does not make the net tax lower than Hong Kong. Mm. So that's the first thing I would say about tax. And because Hong Kong's got such a transparent, simple tax system in place, it's not really that easy for there to be tax uh, relaxations for Hong Kong. There's not much to relax. Um, in terms of the, the gearing ratio, the borrowing limit that you mentioned before, um, so in Hong Kong and Singapore, it used to be 45%. Mm-hmm. Singapore increased it to 50%. And to stay competitive, Hong Kong also increased it to 50% mm-hmm. after Singapore did. So if a REIT is allowed to borrow more, um, that means they have more, you know, firepower to do acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Um, they have more firepower to grow. Mm-hmm. But of course, the more you borrow, just like when you borrow to finance an apartment or house purchase, the slightly riskier the REIT is. So you know that's an example of regulation. You know, mm. increasing the amount they can borrow, slightly higher risk for REITs. You know, for retail investors, but. 50% is still quite reasonable given you know, low rates of um, 
interest rates at the moment. So um, uh, basically, on you know, for Hong Kong, increasing the gearing ratio to 50% is, is positive for REITs growing. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that all REITs will want to do that. Um, some of the best REITs in Hong Kong are far below that limit because they market themselves as being lowly geared, so they're very low risk, for example. Mm. Um, so uh, I would say for, for gearing, uh, it's neutral between Hong Kong and Singapore. Mm. The last thing I'd probably mention is that it goes beyond just tax and gearing. Um, it goes to things like even if you think about some of the sponsors, if you're a Chinese state-owned enterprise, mm. whether practically mm. these Chinese state-owned enterprises can practically bypass Hong Kong and go list in Singapore, or whether that be more politically appropriate for them to list in Hong Kong mm. with China, right? So there are some, or if you're a Singapore state-owned enterprise, again, you know, they might be more inclined to list in, in Singapore. So there are, there are a lot of other factors that go into you know, where a sponsor chooses to list. But having said that, um, you know, in terms of attracting new listing candidates, um, the new recode changes are helpful. Um, anything is helpful, right? So yeah. um, uh, I think that I'm still positive that they'll provide a little bit of a boost. Clear, and it definitely clears up some of my questions I have and generalizations mm-hmm. that I've read from newspapers because I think a lot of them mention how Singapore has tax incentives and it does mm-hmm. confuse me sometimes. I suppose the transparency and the code changes that we've been talking about would put Hong Kong in a better position. Um, Mm -hmm. And what you've said about um, Chinese companies preferring Hong Kong over Singapore, um, I did see that ByteDance and Alibaba, they have signed new leases to add more office spaces in Hong Kong. So, yeah. Lastly, I guess people would be interested in knowing how Hong Kong may further develop its REITs market, especially when it comes to its homegrown real estate developments. Some consultancy firms have argued that Hong Kong should further strengthen its REITs market by issuing property tax exemptions at REIT level to increase investors' res- to increase investors' returns and exempt stamp duty on relevant transactions in general. Obviously, these changes may make the Hong Kong market more appealing to investors, but other suggestions, such as how the city's REITs market could consider investing in warehouses given e-commerce developments. Given your expertise, how else would you say Hong Kong's REITs market could adapt or change to stay competitive globally? And what is the potential for growth? Well, one thing I'd like to see in Hong Kong is is a greater variety of asset classes. Mm-hmm. Here we have um, REITs that primarily invest in retail, in commercial, in hospitality. Mm. Um, there is a, a listing candidate live now, um, SF Express, which is doing a logist- thinking about doing a logistics REIT in Hong Kong. Mm. Um, so I'd like to see a greater variety of asset classes. With more asset classes, you know, there's more choice for, you know, mums and dads to say, well, I like, you know, like I said, e-commerce. So I'm, I'm gonna, I can either invest in an e-commerce company that, that does maybe data centers, or they can, I can invest in a REIT that does physic, owns physical data centers, or mm. I can invest in a data company, or I can invest in 
you know, a data, any kind of data business. So having more, more asset classes gives, gives investors more choice generally, mm. which is always positive for the, for the market. Um, the question is how, how does Hong Kong attract these other sponsors of asset classes to in, invest in mm. and do their listing in Hong Kong? So, um, one thing that I think I'd like to see is, well, Hong Kong has a lot of, you know, uh, plans to become a, you know, a, a hub for the new economy type mm. industries. You know, you talked about bike dance and you talked about, you know, some other tech companies wanting to do things in the Greater Bay Area more generally, right? Not just Hong Kong. And so, you know, there are maybe some incentives to these people coming, you know, mm. they're in these sort of new economy industries. You I mean to provide those incentives to get these new economy companies coming to Hong Kong. So, you know, similar um, incentives can be provided to owners of the assets that new economy companies need to use, you know, mm. whether, like I said, data centers, logistics, warehouse, some of, you know, some of these, you know, things to help with uh, supply chain, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, the future of e-commerce and things like that, mm. you know, um, to the extent some benefits that are extended to um, other new economy companies couldn't be extended to REITs that hold new economy real estate, mm -hmm. that'd be great because if, you know, that would give, you know, give the investors here choice. And uh, the narrative for a lot of those REITs may be quite interesting and attract a higher level of you know, investor attention, mm. right? Because it'll be, be, it'll be a bit of a sexier asset class at the moment. Yeah. So that's one thing that I think, you know, Hong Kong could benefit from. Um, another is, uh, well, I mean, Hong Kong, as you said, you, you were just talking about people comparing to Singapore. And like I said, it's a competitive market to attract these, these sponsors. So any way to sort of um, have any, you know, think about what Hong Kong's competitive advantages are over Singapore. Well, obviously the competitive advantage is, is China, right? Mm. And, you know, in Hong Kong, we have something called Stock Connect. Um, which allows people in China and the Shenzhen or Shanghai Stock Exchanges to buy you know, shares in Hong Kong listed companies and vice versa, people mm -hmm. in Hong Kong to buy shares in, in Shanghai and, and Shenzhen listed companies. So um, right now that's extended to listed companies only. REITs are not yet part of that program, mm -hmm. um, but the infrastructure is there. So you know if we could see uh, Stock Connect being extended to REITs as well to allow you know people in China, mums and dads in China, to buy Hong Kong listed REITs. That's something that Singapore doesn't have, right? mm -hmm. and you know that 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 would be a huge competitive advantage and a huge incentive for you know, some potential sponsors to want to list in in Hong Kong versus Singapore. So these are these are some things that you know maybe you know take a while to. Um, you know, see if there's any, um, to, to get any kind of regulatory developments or getting any incentives through. Mm. But you know, these are some of the things I'd like to see. Okay, thank you very much. I, I think I have one last question for you, um, just sure. as an addition. So given how China is planning to roll out its own reads, um, mm -hmm. I think everyone's anticipating that. Um, mm -hmm. How would you say that Hong Kong reads would they be competing or would they be collaborating like how would you say the Hong Kong 
real estate market might look for Chinese investors. Like even though I mentioned that um, Alibaba and ByteDance like re- renewing their lease in Hong Kong, that indicates a positive trend of Chinese companies still investing in Hong Kong. However, um, would you say that? The state-owned companies you've mentioned, maybe they would be more attracted to the um, to get listed in China REITs market instead. Mm. It's a good question, actually. Um, uh, well, I personally think that uh, the two will not just coexist, but they'll help each other. A um, couple of reasons for that. Mm. One is, um, well, right now you have you know. Companies in China actually have the same choice, right? They could choose just listing domestically in China, mm. or they could choose to list in Hong Kong or even the U.S. and other places, right? Mm. And, and you know, the question is, why do these Hong Kong uh, PRC, why do these PRC companies choose to list overseas, including in, in Hong Kong? One reason is just you know different type of investors that they're looking to attract, more mm. international market. Mm. So, you know, if you're an investor, you may be happy to invest in Hong Kong or the US where they've got a long established regime. Um, They've got regulators that have been regulating REITs for a very long time, Mm. right? Um, They've got, um, you know, a a legal system that, you know, is uh, quite relatively transparent in terms of uh, commercial law, right? Um, And, you know, all the other benefits of investing in a you know, uh, a financial hub city, mm. right? You know, whereas maybe in Shenzhen or Shanghai, you know, the market is perhaps a little bit more volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, the regulators, if you're talking about a new REIT regime, you know, there would be very little in terms of comparables. You'd be investing in the first REIT, which hasn't really been regulated. Mm. So, you know, your 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 risk tolerance maybe it might need to be a little bit higher if you're going to do the first invest in the first China REIT versus the, you know, the eighth Hong Kong REIT. So, you know, so, so I think, you know, when the new China re- regime comes out, you know, you'll still have, you know, depending on the size of the sponsor, some might want to go international, some might want to stay mm. domestic, or some might want to have both an international and a domestic REIT, which is I think what's most likely going to happen. Um, the other thing is I mentioned about Stock Connect. So one reason why um, you haven't seen REITs traded on Stock Connect previously is because China didn't have a REIT regime. So it would have just been one-way flow where it would be PRC investors investing in Hong Kong REITs. Because of that one-way flow only, I think there's been a hesitation to extend Stock Connect um, to REITs because mm. of, you know, queries what will you know, China's REIT regime have to benefit. Now that you've got a new China REIT regime, and I'm sure they want to get it to the fastest start possible, um, why not have the two markets help each other? Mm. You, know, you have you know, Hong Kong investors able to buy China REITs and vice versa, that'll boost both REIT markets. So I'm hopeful that the new REIT regime in China will actually facilitate things like Stock Connect that I mentioned earlier. And actually even, you know, the pie is huge in terms of if you talk about real estate, you know, in, in China, I mean, people say it's in the trillions of in dollars. Right? Yeah. Plenty of property that can be rated. Um, a lot of it more depends on investor familiarity with these kind of products and sponsor familiarity with these kind of products. Having a domestic REIT regime in China means more people know about REITs, more people mm. know about the benefits of REITs. 
more people, it's more accepted investment class worldwide, particularly in China and Hong Kong. And that all has positive developments for the REIT markets in both jurisdictions. So I, I think it's a good thing in the long run. And I think um, definitely you'll grow the size of the pie. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of the pie, you know, Hong Kong will still continue to have quite a large slice. Mm. So, yeah, I agree with you from what you've said. Um, it does seem like there's going to be a lot of collaboration opportunities of inter-trade opportunities as well. Um, yeah, so thank you very much for coming on to the podcast and thank you for all of your insights and explanations. So, yeah, thank you. You're most welcome. Thank you, Cynthia, for inviting me to your podcast and I'm glad to be one of your first guests. Thank you. <laughs>